It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 361 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 361. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week are, I would say, almost platforms being used as tools. Well, anyway, you'll get what I mean in just a second. I want to go through a list of tools. There's actually one, two, three, four tools we're going to be talking about today. And they're all related to, of course, our topic of technique discussion. But the first one is Spotify.com. Yes, Spotify. S-P-O-T-I-F-Y.com. More specifically, ads on Spotify. So their website is actually ads.spotify.com. This is where, of course, you build Spotify ad and ad campaigns. The next tool is one that we've talked about before in functionalities many times over for a variety of reasons, but we're bringing it back in today's topic of conversation. That is Waze, the uh, mobile uh, map app that Google owns, that is community-centric, that people share their uh, routes, and you can optimize your routes, and it tells you the policemen on one side, accidents, cars on the side of the road, whatever, and it gives you a much more engaged content for your driving experience. It also is a great platform to put pins in for yourself, little balloons of your location. But that website is waze.com forward slash ads, so waze.com. Third tool in discussion today is not a small one, YouTube, youtube.com, more specifically, their ad campaign platform. And that's way too long of a string to give you. I'll just say that it's there. Um, you can look forward, just look up for YouTube ads and it'll show you their platform. Uh, the last tool is also Google, but in a different flavor that you most often don't tend to use for a variety of reasons that you've probably been shied away from, and that is the Google Display Ads. Okay, So ads.google.com is the platform that the displays ads are created in as a function of the Google Ad Program, but it is an underutilized platform because, and this goes back to our discussion uh, two weeks ago, the bane of using ROI instead of trend and pace. And because of the ROI filter, the first filter of discussions, display ads don't usually make the cut because ROI is hard. It's an expensive platform to be in if ROI is the single own calculation. And again, we didn't discount the ROI value calculation, just it being the only filter for any decision. So that's it. Our four tools this week, <clears throat> excuse me, are Spotify.com, Waze.com, YouTube.com ads, and Google ads dot com forward slash display ads which brings us to 
our technique of the week. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique this week is paid campaigns less traveled. And now you get the sense of why we brought these four tools up. Spotify, Waze, YouTube TV ads, uh, or YouTube ads, okay? And of course, uh, display ads under Google ad campaigns. Um, Wow. Let's tackle them individually as a tool contribution and then talk about the merit of why these need to be considered in a strategy. Okay. First off, let's just discuss the tool usage. I've used Spotify Ad Studio for a variety of campaigns specific to localization targeting. We've done it in two ways. First is we've done local targeting for generating local demand. This was most recent because of the pandemic, where people had the need for accommodations within their own immediate market. This could be for medical travel. This could be for displacement relocation travel. And because of that, there is a need that says, okay, the kids are coming back. And because of COVID, we can't have them stay at the house because of different levels of concern. So they have to stay at a hotel. And also the kids in reverse didn't want to put the burden on their family by staying with them say for instance at grandma's house for thanksgiving all the family can't show up so there's a need to stay at a hotel that localization of spotify ad campaigns is great because spotify is such a dominant platform i could interchange the tool with saying iHeartRadio as well um, these are platforms that are for audio broadcasting which is the real missing niche out of our conversation a lot of times uh, a limitation of doing audio advertising is that you don't feel you have the voice or have somebody that has the voice to be able to create a concise message in the time frame allotted that the ad campaigns must run to be fitting into the ad campaigns within the platform. So it just gets looked at, well, it sounds like a cool idea, but I don't have somebody that can do radio ads. I don't have a microphone, I got a phone, or whatever. And it discourages them from doing it. And of course, if they go to an ad agency, the ad agency says, oh yeah, sure, 500 bucks, we'll do an ad for you, an audio ad. It's not $500. And you have options, and we've talked about these before, going to Fiverr and asking somebody that does voice ads to, here's what we want you exactly to say, and they'll exactly say it. And you can get some British girl, Australian girl, Australian guy, British guy, Canadian guy, linguistically ethnic related to the audience that you're targeting, and they can make an audio ad. The cool part is, is that you can actually create audio ads by just simply typing what you want them to say. And there are platforms, and we'll cover a few more of them than what we've already had in the podcast in times past, where you can literally type and then choose the dialect, the intonations of how you want that ad to be and frame it into 30 seconds and boom, you got your ad. And there goes your audio ad. And you can do that more persistently on small feature abilities because it doesn't take a lot of money to get into these ad campaigns. We've, we, most of our campaigns ran for $250 or less in the campaign runs. We're very targeted where we want to. Going back to the two ways we've used it. That was one on the localization and the examples and the overdrawn discussion of how we did it. The second is feeder markets. You know certain markets are lending themselves to coming in. Uh, so why not have ads on things that they listen to music-wise? So many people now listen to platforms like Spotify like iHeartRadio and not local radio stations. Why? Because local radio stations have to pay for their own internal capabilities of ads. They tend to run longer series of ads. And so because of that, people listen to them at certain times. Plus, it's not something that they uh, normally listen to on their uh, phone. Even though there is some functionality to listen to local radio stations, 
like iHeartRadio, okay, um, they don't always do it. They tend to listen, want to listen to their own music playlists. They want to, they want to, rather than allowing to listen to the randomness that a radio station, based on you know their 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 genre of music, um, the randomness of the songs, they want to listen to certain artists. They want to listen to their own playlists. In order to do that, they use Spotify and iHeartRadio and other platforms as well. And those all have ad campaigns, so you can actually have your ads into those campaigns. You can select the music you want to be associated with, the artist you want to be associated with, but most importantly, the geography that you want to be associated with. So you can be in front of mind for these people because you're literally in their head with the earbuds. So do consider the opportunity of using things like Spotify and iHeartRadio because they allow for a very affordable and very timely, spontaneous thing. You can be very event-driven. Think of this. You go into, uh, like we talked about in the live show, the events stuff today. We talked about events and event-driven data. We used a platform to, uh, talking about that. Uh, once you know the events, a lot of those are concerts potentially in your area. Look at the artist and see if they're playing. If it is, say your ads are related to them, saying, hey, you coming to see the, the XYZ artist's concert in um, ABC uh, City? Well, we're the perfect hotel accommodations. We're two blocks away from the concert venue or whatever it is. Or we have a great rate offering for anybody that's coming to the concert. You can literally be in the medium that they are interested in doing stuff with, which makes it very cool. A lot of about the Spotify, sorry, but we have a few things to discuss about the campaigns less traveled. Let's go into the Waze world. Waze is an amazingly fun platform, have done good things with it many times over in using them to better identify the drive market. Um, we know very well that the cost of gas right now and so forth, as prohibitive as it is, is a more affordable solution than the incredible cost of flights and all the headaches we're seeing in the news about flight travel. Now, of course, this doesn't always apply okay, uh, to people that are traveling far enough that the driving option is not real. This is really targeting drive market. And I'll talk about a second market for that in just a second. But the drive market, here you are, most people like using an interactive map. Google Maps is phenomenal. Do not get me wrong. It's a great one. And it's also, from a Google My Business perspective, great for gleaning information on beyond just their location. Let's put it that way. Um, but Waze is an interactive platform. It allows people that are on Waze to notify that there's a police officer over the hill or a car on the side of the road or road debris, be careful of it, or there's a slowdown, live real-time traffic slowdowns that Google gets because of Waze, but doesn't always demonstrate that there's a lag time before they start just showing traffic buildup. Waze is much more interactive. Waze has other values, but let's just leave it at that for those that are driving into your market from a drive market perspective. So they're coming to the market. They may or may not have already made accommodations plans. They might be just really relating until they get tired and they're going to look for a place to stay, roadside stuff. Well, what better way than have a little marker on the map that is your logo and your business, and while they're driving, somebody else in the car, not the driver, can tap it and find out, that looks pretty good. Okay, get directions and just tap it. It bring, gives them immediate bypass directions from where they're going and adds it into their route, and they can pull into your hotel or just give a phone number that then they can call and get the information that they need from you. Like, hey, I'm down the road, coming up, what's your rate tonight, blah, 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 blah. That's one option, feeding the driver market people that are coming to you, making them a part of their path of discovery for you. The other is those people that did fly to you that do have a rent-a-car, okay, because they have enough travel requirements they don't want to Uber everything, 
and they flip on their ways to get around town and here lo and behold here's your restaurant here is your hotel that they might say you know this is closer we thought that one was okay but this hotel is a lot closer to where we're going to be here for so let's go over and uh, stay at this hotel but definitely the restaurant function is incredibly helpful that it's important that you show up on ways it's affordable program you get a ton of exposure and you get very good um, um, uh, analytics as to those that looked at what you had those that interacted with what you had and those people that actually asked for directions to what you offered and you can offer coupons and discounts hey click this get this price that's a great incentive for people to go oh wow you know that's cheaper than what I'm paying already in booking and I can still cancel. Let me cancel that place and say, here, I'm looking at it. It's on the map. I pull in. There it is. Looks like a nice enough place. Didn't find it when I first looked on, online for this stuff, but here I am seeing it now. Great. It's a great gap filler for your marketing campaign strategies. Okay, third tool, YouTube TV. Okay, this again goes to the same conversation we had about Spotify and the audio ads. A lot of people find this a great, fun, interesting thing to do, but they don't have the content to do it. They don't have video ads. Um, those that do, they're usually branded and generic. There's nothing of a call to action as it is awareness. It just doesn't provide the effect that even if they did try to run YouTube ads, that it didn't get the response because it really wasn't offering anything. It was like, here we are. This is who we are. This is what we are. Bye. And then there's no reason for them to act on what they've just been informed about. In order to be productive on YouTube video ads, you need to have call to action videos. You have seen them. If you go on YouTube, which most of us, almost all of us do, you know that there's a variety of ways that ads get dropped in. There's the ones that go directly in. You can't get past. There's those that go in that after a duration of time you can skip. There's those that start up and you can skip them right away because they're not applicable. Those all affect whether you, you as a, an uh, advertiser had to pay for it. If they skipped out of it as soon as they could, you don't have to pay for it. If they lingered and watched it, then at least you got an exposure for it, even though they may not, they still may have clicked out of it. It has to be interesting. It has to be engaging. Also, it isn't that hard. There's platforms, and we've talked about them on the podcast. I'll just refer to a couple, like Lumen5, that you can put your text in, and it'll create via what they call AI, but it's really just a smart computer in some degrees, images that are related to the context of what you did. You can supply your own images if you have images that are helpful, your logo being one of them. And it can create a short video ad of the seconds that you need to do a YouTube ad that now gives you the content to create YouTube ad campaigns. It's incredibly valuable, the visual interaction that an ad has, especially with all the targeting capabilities of Google, geographic, psychographic, behavioral, all of that stuff that the ad will show up on videos that they're watching because you designated them as a filterable audience to see your ads based on the budget you're giving. So very valuable channel. The fourth channel that we talked about in the tools section that also, again, doesn't get used as often as it could and should is Google Display Ads. Google Display Ads, for those that aren't aware of it, is about placing ads on websites that have space for ads, AdSense campaigns, that are ones that go into the path of the people you've filtered. It's the retargeting campaigns that you're most familiar with in lots of ways, uh, where you see ads of places that you've gone to and now you see their ad in the website that you've entered to. That's retargeting. But the display functionality of having ads in a variety of locations, news features, blogs, websites for content, geographic location references, there's a, a vast diversity of filterable ways of making sure your ad shows up for the category of guests that you're looking for 
not just pervasively retargeting the bejeebers out of them, which most marketers abuse. This is showing up because it's correlated to the filters you've created for the audiences you want to see based on the budget you're willing to spend. This is where it falls apart when it gets to in front of people that are ROI decision-driven only. Because of the cost of the traffic per thousand, because of exposure with a lack of direct connect ROI, it gets poo-pooed on a lot because people look at it as like, well, that's an awful lot of money for not much money back bank. What they're not understanding is your contribution of awareness in the funnel of discovery and education of your guests has a high value through the attribution string of its influence on the person making the eventual ZMOT decision to purchase something. Mostly, hopefully, most likely on a direct channel because you have guided them through things like display advertisement in awareness that they know that they could and should go to you directly for the booking rather than the OTAs that are equally trying to buy for a eyeball time. Okay? The display ads is that affirmational value of when people are trying to decide in processes what they're interested in and more importantly what they want to educate with themselves and what they're interested in doing you're in that dialogue in a display way that they saw you for one thing they're not ready to act on accommodations per se maybe which is where you get the roi discussion but because they were aware of it and then they show up in other places it turns into this affirmational reconstitution of content going wow those guys are really about being uh, that hotel for that location I've decided I want to go to that location. Let me make sure I see this hotel. And now I know that the hotel is actively trying to get in front of me. I know I should go directly to that hotel to get the information that I need. Making sure your content's there, hint, hint. So because of that, display ads is a huge catalyst. Much like social media is that, that amplifier to your content, it too is the amplifier to your direct channel success. The more you're in early to the discovery and education of your of your value into places that they're interested in considering, the more you're in their mental dialogue of decision making when it gets to that point of acquisitions and purchases. Rather than doing it like everybody else, which is waiting for them to finally walk through the door going, okay, I'm ready to make a decision on buying a hotel. And everybody plows in and spends way tons of money to make sure that they're ahead of anybody else in that decision process for them. You already got to them before they ever got to that point, which already puts you in front of them, which actually, ironically, mathematically, and this we have data from clients on, has reduced our cost per click and acquisition because they kept consistent consistency in the attribution funnel with us in the attribution string with us through the entire process we didn't have to spend so much money to get in front of them we got a lot more organic value because people were already aware of us without us having to shove ourselves in at the zmot location of, of conversion saying please think of us please think of us bye 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 it was more like you know what i already knew about you guys i liked you guys and when i finally made the decision to go you guys were the first people i considered even though i was aware of other stuff i liked it because you were always there for me that's what the display advertising kind of does for you so there you have it. Our technique of the week, long-winded as it was, was a lot of fun. Um, and that was pretty much about paid campaigns, less traveled. The ones that you don't often consider but can have incredible value to the success of your marketing campaigns. And that brings us to our news and show review. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So, our live show review. Um, live show today, the topic was interesting about demand forecasting. Actually, the topic was how to create accurate demand forecasting. And we kind of walked into two conversations. One was a little bit from our previous podcast, which was the inspiration of our live show this week, was our 
bit of our podcast last week, but also more importantly, it was a question that came from a discussion I had at High Tech last week where people were fixated on ROI, ROI, and we both were sitting off to the side just wagging our heads on why are people so fixated with this when it's really about trend and pace, which we know I talked about in the live show prior to HSMI last week. It was show number 359 that we talked about uh, trend and pace. But then I started talking about the idea that budget forecasting is coming up for uh, budget building is coming up for August, our budget season. Remember, our industry has a season for this stuff. And that the initial stages of it was to reaffirm top-line revenue sources, uh, both transient and group. And a lot of that comes from not just the historical static data of occupancy, length of stays, and ADRs, but it also comes into the world of demand cycle. And, of course, we always go through the same process each year when it comes to budgets, which is recurring uh, events like are they going to come back? Well, the easy ones obviously are holidays. Uh, the other ones are the recurring events that we're aware of. Um, then there's always the third one, which is business cycle. You know, summer versus fall, spring versus winter, whatever. There's business cycles to us. Those are the static load forwards as to what we think those things are and our trend to be at above or below those numbers. Google, I mean Google, um, groups have a different perspective of being able to break it up based on recurring uh, repetition of the event itself or non-recurring. We're not going to talk about Google, but uh, Google's in my mind. Uh, We're not going to talk about um, group in in this context, or we didn't on the live show either. What we really focused on was uh, transient marketing and being able to look at demand forecasting, accurate demand forecasting, not just guesstimates, not just, oh, well, last March we were rocking, yeah, weather was good, and, you know, everyone just wanted to make it over here because it was... that's guesstimations. That's 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 superficial memory recollections of what they thought the month was like. Uh, unless they kept good logs, daily logs, which I've always done from an operations point of view is critical. Unless they kept those good logs, most of the time it was just superficial remembrance. Um, the numbers either validate their position, which is why they probably referred to that, or it denies them their perspective saying, yeah, March was, well, you know what? I thought it was great, but looking at the numbers, I don't think we did as great as we thought we would. That doesn't help in your forecasting. That doesn't help you generate accurate demand. So we talked about the two platforms, uh, Predict HQ, which is a platform for events, and then how to use the current data you have in some sort of correlation values, which was the classifier ad, app. Uh, we talked a little bit about both of those. We also talked about lots of sources of data, which ironically kind of goes to our podcast today, like Waze. Waze gives you great data about people that interacted with your traveling app but bubble on their platform. Uh, things like Google My Business. How many people went and looked for your business, looked for directions to your business, made reviews for your business, which, by the way, a new up- update for Google My Business was you get to respond to those reviews on Google My Business, where before you didn't, you just saw what they said and you couldn't say anything about it. Um, other sources of data, like census data, traffic data. Uh, there's a really neat tool the New York Times put out on Facebook traffic to and from locations as to what areas in the country talk to what other areas in the country. So if you rolled over the map, it's really cool. And the link I'll put in the show notes as well. It shows you when you roll over the icon, where you have the icon or your mouse at, all the areas by region, um, you know, down to less than state size, as to where they connect to based on value or volume. So uh, this comes from the idea of looking at sources of people that have relocated, plan on relocating, family displacement, family relocation, school displacement, and or sports travel and sports teams following. Obviously, when a child goes to a college, that family that still stays in their home is now following the 
sports team of the college that their their child went to. Vice versa, the communication, say, on Facebook platform is very much between those two spaces. So looking at some map like this, you could see by the regionality, literally the colleges that are most interestingly connected to the people that are at the local home base. You can create targeting for that based on the scheduling of events that you know exist. And especially if those teams, whatever, come to your home market, you know that you have an instantaneous connection between the feeder market and your own home market. So these are types of of, of, of sources of data. Now, and there's also there's there's more intrinsic ones of like you know, Google Trends. It's it's kind of a blunt instrument to some of this, but it does do affirmational or the reverse of it uh, on your supposition is two sources of business interest ge geographically. Where did the interest come from based on search volume? What were they searching for? And geographically, where were they from by searching for that? Um, you have also things like meta search platforms that you use for your meta search ad budgeting, which is you can break down device usage, their their willingness to stay when they're looking for reservations one night versus three nights versus thirty days out to know their demand cycle for beyond their optimum feeder market or, or optimum booking window that you have. So there's lots of cool that there's a tremendous amount of information related to your ad targeting. Uh, for your Google ads as to the sources of business and the interaction of your business, plus the retargeting of your ad information in case you don't have access to your web analytics data, hint, hint, brand people, uh, that you can actually still get good data based on who interacts with your paid campaigns to be able to at least target those people, retarget those people effectively, knowing that there's already interest that exists from them. Lots of stuff we threw in the live chat and I kind of delve into some, some interesting granularities for that didn't intend to, but you get the idea. It was a fun conversation. Highly recommend you go listen to it back. The audio is fine, too. Uh, we always keep the shows less than an hour. They're always rebroadcasted, by the way, on our live show, Hospitality Channel. I have Google, Amazon, Apple, and, and, uh, and Roku. You can see it there. Plus also Apple iOS and Android apps. You can do it on app on your phones and watch the shows there. The, the live show is always on the free side of the payment gateway. In the payment gateway will be a lot more content. Our is more content related to individual aspects of hospitality. It's an industry-based channel. And we're also putting software and services from all the interviews I did in high tech last week up there for free. So you get to see and preview a lot of the new up-and-coming platforms like um, the the Predict HQ. Couldn't think of the name. Same as all in that. So Predict HQ was a platform that was at high tech. And I found them from the coverage from the TV station side that I did for it. So with that... Remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher. The list goes on and on. 39 platforms and counting. We're even on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask them to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast, and you'll get this podcast as the latest one. But no matter which one you may use, if you like us, please leave a comment and smash the subscribe button if you haven't already done so. That helps others discover our content as well. And of course, if this is your first time hearing us, please smash the subscribe button on whatever platform you discovered us on or go to the end of any of the other 38 platforms if you'd like to subscribe elsewhere and follow us along. We do this every week and we try to make as much interesting content as possible. Um, if you have suggestions of content and or feedback from our content, please reach out to me directly at lauren at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. I answer each and every email related to that. And of course, you can see all of the archived shows for both the podcast and our live shows on our web-based TV channel, hospitalitychannel.tv. There you see I Love Lucy reruns of everything we've done for nine years on the live show and 17 years in podcasting. So you get to have it in a whole rerun world for that. Um, also, please don't forget, you can always go and watch us on TV. The uh, TV channel, uh, TV show that we do is the Hospitality Marketing, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. That is on your Roku, Amazon uh, Prime, Apple TV, and um, YouTube TV. 
Um, you can just look for the channel on there and play them the live show whenever you like. And all the archive stuff is there and Hospitality Channel TV as well. So once again, my name is Lauren Gray. Thank you for the privilege of your time. And we look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 361 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, All Right Reserved, Copyright 2022. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.